Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first ever episode of the After Lorraine podcast. My name is Matthew Schmidt. My name is Holt Walton. And that's right, we are going to be reviewing The Mandalorian Season 2. Chapter 9 just came out, and my friend and I, Holt, we've been talking Star Wars forever together, great friends, yet we've never done a podcast. We always have these conversations behind closed doors with each other, speculating, um, you know, rating these things, reviewing, and just having a good time talking about Star Wars. We figured 2020, the year that never ends, um, Star Wars is about joy. It's about not taking itself too seriously, laughing, uh, just enjoying it. So um, that's what we're going to be doing. And uh, Holt, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? All right, Matt. Um, Again, my name is Holt Walton. I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. Um, I am an educator at a private school. Um, On my free time, I love Star Wars. I love anything related to that. I also love to write. Um, It's my favorite pastime, and it's something that I try to do as much as I can, and Star Wars has always been such a big influence to me and my writing, and yeah, what about you? Yeah, um, thank you for that. Uh, (laughs) My name is Matt Schmidt, like I said. I also am from Phoenix, Arizona. Holt and I pretty much grew up together. Um, You know, like I said, laughing about Star Wars and Holt kind of expanded on that, even writing Star Wars in high school. Even before that, we were doing, you know, Star Wars fan fiction pretty much. (laughs) Um, We would, one of us would start on a story and then send it to the other, they'd pick it up and we would just kind of flesh out you know, these characters and everything before um, Disney acquired Lucasfilm, and obviously we got all these new canon mediums like The Mandalorian uh, or, you know, novels, comics, pretty much everything we just love uh, diving into, and Mandalorian has obviously become such a huge, widely popular show with Baby Yoda, so um, like I said, it just makes sense. So diving right into Chapter 9... The Marshal, um, I'll just start briefly and say it's been a long year. (laughs) I think that we've been waiting for this season since December 27th or whenever um, season one ended. But, you know, I think questions coming into this season were going to be what's Mando doing with Baby Yoda? What's their mission? The trailer came out three weeks ago pretty much told us exactly what the story is. He's going to be searching for, um, you know, in his, in his words, uh, an enemy race of force wielders or whatever he said in season one. But um, in episode one, chapter nine, that leads him to first finding other Mandalorians. So he's quested to go find other Mandos, thinks that there's one on Tatooine, goes there. It's not what he really thinks. I'll just say off the bat... Um, this was my favorite episode of The Mandalorian so far. And I will follow that up with, I can understand why people have a problem with this episode completely. I am a diehard fan. Mm-hmm. I follow, like I said, all the other mediums mediums of canon that come out, books, novels, and that ties pretty directly into this episode. There's a lot of Easter eggs, a lot of references to old things, And to someone like me that just 
it, it really hit home with me, everything about this episode. But if I wasn't a diehard fan, I don't know if I would have that same opinion. I might say, we've done this before, we're back on the side missions, what are we doing? Um, so whole, what was your first thoughts, what were your first thoughts of this episode coming back into Season 2, Chapter 9? Well, piggybacking off what you just said, uh, being a real big Star Wars fan, loving lore specifically, um, just seeing all these Easter eggs, seeing things that, you know, as a Star Wars fan so far, we we don't get to see in, you know, the cinema aspect of Star Wars. It's always either in the novels or, you know, the stories and stuff like that, so being able to see specific elements that, like I said, and more, you know, visually being seen on screen is fantastic and huge, huge uh, attention getter, specifically, like you said, for Star Wars fans like us. Um, but like you said, it if you don't know this kind of stuff, maybe it's not as appealing, and that's, you know, totally understandable if you... You know, you don't know the lore and the backstory of particular, you know, creatures or, you know, these new characters that we're getting, which is totally understandable, you know. But um, visually, uh, this episode was fantastic for me. I, I, I thought there were so many cool scenes. Uh, the landscapes were fantastic. Um, I thought it was a beautiful episode, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing as more more episodes really kind of grow and piggyback off the previous episode etc um i i love this episode you know i i thought it was really cool and yeah let's dive more into this what do you think yeah i i think you know something has to be said right off the bat about the budget um it's very obvious that we're going bigger we're spending more on cgi we're spending more on set pieces um, the show being majorly CGI, it was no secret that they had to um, shell out that kind of cash for it. But I think it paid off. Talk about the crate dragon. Talk about all of the creatures that uh, we'd seen. The sand, uh, the Tuscan Raiders creatures, little pets that they have. Those looked amazing. Baby Yoda. Um, I know that they use his puppet primarily for the show, but seeing that combination of the puppet mixed with the CGI, that shot of him on the speeder bike with his ears flapping, it looked unbelievably amazing for CGI. Uh, so yeah, something definitely needs to be said about the visuals of this episode and this season already. Um, those shots on Tatooine, just of him riding to Mos Pelgo, I could have watched Mando, those shots, of him, the desert, a montage of that for a half hour. Um, so before we get into Mando getting to Tatooine, let's start off, start the episode. Um, honestly, pretty similar in a way to the way that we started off season one of the show. He kind of, he's going in, uh, in this season, he's going into a boxing arena. He's looking for a contact get some cool Gamorrean guard action. Um, I really liked seeing the graffiti outside yeah. walking to uh, the fight. You got to see some cool 
Star Wars Easter eggs in there. Um, I still haven't even looked to see what all was on there. But um, getting back to the story, we meet the contact. Um, Mando eventually has to use his, what are they called? The birds, whistles, or something mm-hmm. <laughs> that uh, ends up, you know, killing those dudes all at once. And basically he's there for the information of where the other Mandalorian is. He eventually gets it and leaves the contact for dead. He tells him, you won't die by my hand. Uh, He wasn't lying. Mando left him strung up to be eaten by those creatures there, which was an amazing fadeaway to the opening shot, seeing the title card for Mandalorian. Um, What did you think of this opening scene? Um, I loved it. I, you know, seeing Mando and Baby Yoda walk up, and then all of a sudden seeing beating red eyes just pop out of nowhere. Um, just seeing that they're being watched as they go up to the, you know, boxing arena, I thought was really cool. Uh, deep down, I thought, you know, maybe, maybe we'd get another glimpse of these guys, or we'd actually get to see what these guys were hiding in the shadows. Um, loved how we ended up finally getting to see, um, I believe the guy's name was Gore Goresh, uh, hanging up like that and having them eventually surround him as he hangs like that. Um, I thought that was a cool little, um, scene. Um, and then also seeing the Gamorrean fighters fight at the battle arena or at the, uh, boxing arena. I thought was visually uh, very appealing. Um, And then, you know, being that it's lore and then having some of that Star Wars aspect that you don't normally get to see, um, and then us seeing them in the older original Star Wars episodes, having them in something like the Mando is so cool to see. Um, But yeah, overall, I thought that scene was really appealing. I love seeing Mando really take out a whole group of guys that quickly and then showing his strength in such like an elegant way like that, you know. Um, anything else you want to add to that? Um, I think I'm good. Um, yeah, totally echo all of those thoughts. Um, next, we see Mando reach Tatooine. He gets the information from Gore Koresh. Um, that's where the Mando is. Mando tells him he spent a lot of time there, so he's pretty skeptical, but he arrives in what I believe is Mos Eisley. Um, We are back with the beloved character, do not know her name, played by Amy Sedaris. Um, She, uh, (laughs) out of all the characters, side characters from season one, surprised to see her back so soon, Um, but I think it makes sense. He's going back to Tatooine. He's going to go back to the hangar he's familiar with. So seeing her again was funny. Um, They really kind of doubled down on that just cheeky humor she has. Um, Picked right off from that episode in season one. I really like, I really liked that uh, little throw in about how Mando likes droids now. You know, Mm -hmm. seeing already from season one, the IG droid and, we saw that sadness in the season finale when he had to do the self-sacrifice. So um, I, I liked seeing that character development and 
um, <laughs> how he grudgingly said, ah, the ship probably needs a once-over. He's, he's letting them on his ship, but not super thrilled about it. But um, asks Amy Sedaris' character if she knows of a Mandalorian, um, specifically in the town called Mos Pelgo, and this is where we really dive into the map of Tatooine, um, which is something that I don't think we've ever really... I'm sure we've seen it in Star Wars before, but I feel like we're all, always looking at Star Wars maps from a macro standpoint of mm-hmm. galaxy-wide, oh, western reaches here, uh, outer rim, this. It was really cool to just live in a world, a world that we probably have more experience on in Star Wars than any other planet, and seeing a legitimate world map of it showing, you know, where most Pelga would be, uh, where it should be on the map in comparison to most Eisley, most Espa. That was pretty cool for a diehard fan and just a diehard fan of, you know, going back to planets we're familiar with like Tatooine. But what do you think, Holt? Going back to Tatooine, were you happy about it? Were you saying, here we go again? What are your thoughts? Um, no, I was excited to see it. Um, kind of continuing off what you had said, um, when you're thinking of Tatooine, you think of, you know, Os Eisley, you think of that one specific area and then everything else is just desert, you know, it's that the desert planet. And it was cool. Um, again, what you said, just seeing that larger map of, you know, there's this and there's that and then being able to see what that location on is and just kind of seeing a new new side of Tatooine like that and then what I really liked about this scene and scenes continuing throughout this episode were how gorgeous and how very kind of awe-inspiring these desert scenes were um just really being able to see you know them really putting in the money that they really shovel out for this episode right in right in front of you like this so that was great to see um but yeah i i i really liked i don't know you what what do you want to say you um well going getting straight into most pelgo really liked the way that we uh, rolled up the shot felt straight out of a western even the music that score it was just it was the Mandalorian theme song, but sounded like it was being played on strings only, um, very quiet, and you just see the beat-up faces of the townsmen and woman. Um, just showed you that this town's been through the ringer, and that we're gonna flesh it out and to spend some time there. That was super cool. Um, I liked the weak way. I always like seeing weak way uh, species in Star Wars when. Mando goes up to the bar and um, sees the weak way there. Uh, obviously, species of Hondo and Naka and other Star Wars characters. But um, always love seeing those Star Wars aliens, classic aliens in there. And that's who he asks um, for whereabouts of the Mandalorian. He tells him, you know, we don't get travelers. What does he look like? He says, he's got my armor and... He says, all right, well, that's our marshal, and he's actually right here. Go feel free to talk to him. And then we get the reveal. Um, We think it's Boba Fett. We don't think it's Boba Fett. Um, 
whole, what was your first reaction when you saw, you know, Mando move out of the way or whatever the shot came to be, how Cobb Vanth appeared in the doorway? What was going through your head when you saw him? Well, obviously, you're thinking, oh, that's Boba Fett. Holy shit, you know. Um, but you and I had talked about this previously, and you had a little theory. Um, and I'll, you know, I won't say too much. I'll let you talk about your theory, but how spot on you were, and really to see your theory really come to life like that, and then also then seeing who it is, and then not really seeing something's off. You know, he doesn't have maybe the the body structure of mm-hmm. Boba Fett. Something's off, um, but seeing the armor, seeing the helmet, and I don't me talking about it now. I've got chills because I, I I was excited, um, but like I said, you you're not sure if that's Boba Fett right off the bat. Again, something's off, but yeah, it was so cool to see the armor. So cool to see that maybe that is Boba Fett, and then hoping it is, and then getting a surprising but pleasant surprise. I'd say. So you want to talk about your theory? Yeah, sure. So. Um... I had pretty similar thoughts when we saw him pop up on screen. Um, My my first reaction was, okay, body type doesn't look like Boba Fett. It really just looks like a guy who found his armor. And obviously, I had my prior theory um, stemming from the novel Life Debt from the Aftermath trilogy. Uh, Basically, to make it long story short, the book has interludes in between the chapters that basically just paint a portrait of some corner of the galaxy. And in this particular one, we saw uh, that happen with um, in Tatooine uh, in the I think it was I don't know if it was most Pelgo specifically or just a random part of the desert. Where, but we pretty much catch up right on this guy named Cobb Vanth, and he finds the Boba Fett armor in the desert. Uh, I believe it's a bit of a different story than we get in the Mandalorian flashback. He does, I don't know if he buys it on that sand crawler, but regardless, this is one of the only characters that we've seen in the last five years since Disney has taken over that has made the direct jump from the novels to live action. Um, I think the first and other most notable one to come from another canon media would be Saw Gerrera, and that was back in Rogue One. So seeing a character like this who, you know, stemmed from the novels, stemmed from other canon medium, was super fulfilling, um, made you really, made me appreciate, you know, all the reading and stuff I've done. The fact that Lucasfilm cares to connect it all was pretty awesome to see. Um, and the fact that it was Timothy Olyphant was even more awesome. I think as soon as he started talking, that's when I realized, okay, this isn't Boba Fett. And then I remembered the uh, rumors from forever ago that Timothy Olyphant was going to be in it. So everything started to make sense. And I was, me and Holt were obviously watching it together. And right before he even said his name, I was like, <laughs> that's Cobb Vanth. And I was so pumped up. Obviously, we'll get to the reveal at the end of the episode when we actually see... Boba Fett himself, but this, I, I think I was just as pumped up to see Cobb Vanth 
as I was at the end of the episode to see Boba Fett. So that's where I'm on that whole, how do you feel about seeing a character like this make the jump to live action? I think it's fantastic. And while you were saying this, I was thinking, you know, it, it's crazy how how much that Disney has had an effect on Star Wars. You know, we you talking about Saw Gerrera, and I was just thinking, you know, we you know we joke around about Disney and we kind of give it shit every now and then, but they've done a fantastic job of really kind of largening and opening up the world of Star Wars and being able to see Cobb Vanth like this in a live action like Mandalorian is is a Star Wars fan's dream, you know. Um, I've always been a huge fan of lore, and then seeing stuff like that pop up like this is is wonderful, and I'm super excited to see Boba Fett. Uh, hopefully we'll see him in the next episode, um, but I've got my theories we'll talk about later, um, stemming that maybe we probably won't see him maybe next episode, but they're hinting at him, and that's kind of my thought on this. But anyway... Yeah, I love seeing Cobb Vanth. I thought it was such a cool character to include, and I think we might maybe see Cobb Vanth again sometime down the road, maybe. Um, whether that's another visit to Tatooine, or you know, this is his—I don't know what's the word—giving back to Mando for helping him out, you know throughout this episode so we'll see i don't know but I'm, I'm really excited and i really enjoyed having this kind of character come alive like this yeah and uh, not to go on forever about the fact that he made the jump to live action but usually this is something that we would see a blink and you might miss it kind of moment where like maybe like ahsoka in uh the rise of skywalker where we we hear her voice, and the diehard Star Wars fans out there know who it is, and that's great for them, but if you don't know who it is, that's fine and well. Um, Cobb Vanth was an extremely important character to this episode that they pulled straight from um, the book. So, And they went in pretty much explained his whole backstory. I loved seeing the Death Star 2 explosion flashback, and just learning about more lore on Tatooine post-Empire. Um, because when you think about it, Tatooine was never really... It It was always under control of the Huts, um, And so there was obviously an Imperial occupation there. But when you go from Jabba the Hutt being murdered to the Empire and Second Death Star being destroyed what weeks after that there's all of a sudden this huge power struggle in one of the most lawless planets in the galaxy it only makes sense that the mining collective is going to take over um, and everything but going on with that flashback we see um Cobb Vanth grab the armor or buy the armor off of the Jawas and I mentioned earlier how it just initially we saw Cobb Vanth and it seemed like a character who just was putting on the armor. When you see in that flashback, seeing him have the armor on and come back to the town, the bar of most Pelgo, he looks badass when he's got like, Definitely. he walks in there and they aren't messing around. Like just 
his presence. You can see that scene, and then he gives the weak way the head nod to go hide away before he starts just mowing down this mining collective group. Um, I love how one of them even got a shot on his chest plate, and he, like, I think he stopped for like a second to hesitate and just shot the guy right back in the face. And it was just, I don't know, it was really cool. Um, and then, obviously, that shot that everyone's comparing to Iron Man, uh, where, you know, we see the rest of the mining collective running for their lives, which is also hilarious in itself, um, on their speeder. Cobb Vanth uses his rocket, his whatever you want to call it, his, I'm sure there's some canon specific name for it, but the Boba Fett rocket, um, and ends them all within a second. So frees the town. He's their marshal. Love the way they went about it. And let's talk about a crate dragon. <laughs> let's, let's talk about the crate dragon because this is something that I want to get your opinion on and something that I, I think it's a turning point for me in the episode where if I wasn't the diehard Star Wars fan that I was and played Knights of the Old Republic where you have to go literally grab a uh, crate Dragon Pearl after you kill it. It's a side mission in the game. Like This is all pulled straight from just an absolute love letter to diehard Star Wars fans. And so if it was anything else, I don't think I would have been on board. I mean... I think anyone could probably have a good time or easy time getting on board with the crate dragon because of the sheer size of it and the scale. It's a pretty cool concept, but whole, what did you know about, cause I don't know if you played Knights of the Old Republic and what obviously you knew about the crate dragon. We've been to Tatooine. We've seen the skeleton, but how, what was that personal connection like to you when you saw that if there was one at all? Well, you know, you saying the skeleton, you know, just the sheer size of the thing is the awe-inspiring thing for me. And, you know, being able to see it come out of the cave like that, just show its brute force and just see the, you know, the very first scene of it underground. And then you wondering, is this just like a tremor? Is this like an earthquake? You know, what is this? I thought it was like a sandworm at first. I yeah, like... I thought that too and I so I was like oh this is cool then them going more in depth in it I I, I was kind of like wait what what they just say and hearing Crate Dragon you know it's it's the whole legend of it you know it's oh it'd be cool to see in Star Wars but it's not something they definitely put in and how wrong we are to then finally see it and then also you talking about the Pearl I thought that was a great little you know, Easter egg for true Star Wars friends, you know, like yourself being able to go on that side quest and find the pearl. Um, and kind of, I thought it was cool seeing them kind of dig it out of the gizzard or wherever it was found and them celebrating it. And then I think when we had watched it, we were kind of wondering what that was. And then you had mentioned that and we put two and two together and we were laughing about it and thought it was the coolest thing ever. Um, but the big scene that I want to talk about is bringing the uh, Tusken Raider and Bantha to the very opening of the cave and trying to lure the Kray Dragon out like that. And then seeing it 
not go for the Bantha at all. <laughs> so Yeah, that was I was dying laughing at that scene for maybe five minutes. Mm-hmm. I something about just seeing the sand person yell into the cave and literally wait until he hears the dragon yeah. start coming to run, turns around and starts running for his life, his or her life, I don't know. Um trips made it even better and immediately just gets swallowed prompting the manda to say they're open to new ideas um star wars humor at its finest i think that's the way that you do it that's classic original trilogy humor right there um it's not you know punching in the face not it's 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 a good joke and i think it's perfect star wars humor but um like you mentioned sand people that the sand people in this episode were another thing for me that um, going again to that diehard aspect. If it was another creature, I don't know if I would have had the buy-in that I do. I think that um, having the Mando be able to not only commune with Tuscan Raiders but get them on their yeah, side calm to them down. calm, the, yeah, calm them down, um, find the middle ground. That is really impressive. I think that's something that diehard die Star Wars fans can appreciate more just because they know Tusken Raiders as being people who they don't do that with anyone. Mando says as much in the episode. They've been roaming the Dune Sea for thousands of years. Like That can only... Just imagine what having to survive in uh, those kind of conditions will do to you and just what you have to do to survive. So them being in it, super cool to me. Um, what was your first reaction when we saw the sand people show up? Yeah, again, exciting, excited. Um, then knowing kind of what you said, just seeing them get calm and talk to Mando and really Mando have nothing but, you know, respect, I guess, for them. And, knowing all the right words and moves to, you know, right words to say, right moves to do. And then seeing Cobb Van struggle with them and, you know, despise them because of their tensions that both parties have with each other. And then the drink I thought was funny, him refusing the drink at first. And then throughout the episode being given the drink and he finally drinks from one of the Tuscan Raiders, I thought was funny to see, um, because it's always great to have one, two fighting parties eventually, you know, come together to defeat their or solve their issue. In this case, the Great Dragon. Um, yeah, it's great. I, I love I love Tuscan Raiders. I've always thought they were such a cool brute species, if you will. Um, and then just being able to see them calm and just kind of work together and really solve their issue. I, I, I loved it. Yeah, I think you were spot on there. And I agree with, um, I, I really did like the de- uh, divisiveness between the people of Most Pelgo and the Tusken Raiders. I think it was a very expected, um, you know, relationship between the two groups but i think it was a really good commentary just on looking through the mando's eyes at this local problem between two people who 
when the Mando shows up, it's like knowing what we know about the Star Wars world and the scope of things that we're dealing with, these two groups not getting along is seems like the most minuscule thing, like, you know, disagreement on the planet. And so just having that context and seeing the Mandalorian being able to come in there and give them both that um, that reality check, basically, and let them know that there's this crate dragon that it's going to start killing you guys. And it's, it goes back to what Qui-Gon said. There's always a bigger fish, and they had to come together to fight it. And I, I love the way that it happened in the desert when the little Tusken Raider dogs approach mm. Mando, and he gives a little bit of... Uh, it reminded me a lot of Ezra Bridger from Rebels in the way that he could just calm down the animal. Uh, I know that he was just speaking in Tuscan to it, but just seeing the response there um, from wildlife and nature was super cool. Um, not just the dogs listening to Mando, but if I'm being honest, everyone in this episode listens to the yeah. Mandalorian. I think that's one thing watching um, when we get getting into the actual fight against the Krayt Dragon in a second it was really emphasized how much knowledge the Mandalorian has about literally everything in the galaxy. And, um, just that comfort or that the, the levity of his armor in terms of, I, I don't know if it's just the legend of the Mandalorian or what, but people, no matter where he goes, are going to listen to him. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's, I love just seeing that that quiet leader aspect from the Mando, um, especially when things do start to get heated between Cobb Vanth mm -hmm. and the Tusken Raiders, just calmly putting his flamethrower out in the air and just saying it how it is. Um, it's exactly what he needed to do. And yeah, big fan of just the whole dynamic with the way that people listen to him. But Diving into the actual fight now. Um, we mentioned the guy, the Tuscan, getting eaten. The Bantha, you know, there as bait or whatever. But what did you think of the actual battle, the way that they portrayed the Krayt Dragon and ultimately how Mando ended up slaying it? Well, I, again, going back to the sheer size of the creature itself... Um, and then only really seeing part of the beast, you know, because most of it's underground and, or you only see certain parts when it dives up to, you know, try to eat the Mando or anyone else. Um, it's cool. I, I, I love that scene a lot. Um, I, my, one of my favorite parts of that scene was how it goes underground and they kind of lose sight of where it is and, then you see it at the very top of the hill just breach like that and I, I love that scene and I thought it was so cool and how shocked everybody was to see it like that and then also thought it was pretty funny that they were shooting at it and having little effect on it like that and yeah I, 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 I love this scene a lot and it makes me excited for more seen similar to this in the near future episodes uh, in regards to wildlife and large creatures like that. Um, and we've gotten 
a few cool scenes from season one. Um, obviously, you know, with Baby Yoda lifting, uh, using the Force on the rhino thing. Mudhorn. Yeah, yeah Mudhorn, thank you. Um, and then, you know, so I think we'll hopefully get more scenes like this, and I'm fine with that because I really, really enjoyed it, and I think it's that action scene that maybe not huge Star Wars fans are looking forward to. Um, I think that's something that's going to really attract them because um, it was visually pleasing as well. Um, but yeah, what about you? Yeah, me too. I, I love the use of the jetpacks. I think that they are... I mean, seeing Star Wars jetpacks, you never know like what it really... how functionally they work in seeing in the Mandalorian them being just straight up used like an Iron Man suit in the way that they can go and stop on a dime and really don't seem to have too much issues in terms of power draining or Mm -hmm. (laughs) any little, you know, meter that shows like in video games, when you try to use a like battlefront, if you use a jetpack, how it like stops you from going up at a certain point. Doesn't seem to be any of that in the live action, which is cool. It allows yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, allows for more action and um, just the way that they went up and were going after the crate dragon was super cool. I love the ending when Mando tells Cobb Vanth to go watch after the kid and slams his jet back on and shoots him in the air, and Mando dives straight into the belly of the beast. The the crate dragon is coming. The bantha is loose. Mando is trying to, you know, watch the crate dragon while keeping the bombs strapped to the bantha near him. And before you know it, crate dragon swallows both. And Jonah and the whale type situation. And we see the bombs go off, and he's just destroyed. So, um,. Awesome, the way that he killed the crate dragon, detonated it, came out of its stomach. Loved all of that, and just seeing, once again, those... I, I, I think getting these moments in Star Wars with the creatures, that's that really is the staple of it. I mean, I think it's... There was no way for them to go against a big bad in this episode and have this scale of action um, unless it was a Star Wars creature Mm -hmm. like this, if that makes sense. There was no, what is he going to do, face off against Moff Gideon in an intense battle like they had at the end of Season 1 up in the air with the jetpack and TIE fighter. Like, this was the best kind of action we were going to get in this, in a season premiere when there's not a set season villain yeah, there, there was no... This just made the most sense. Um, it might not have been the sexiest thing to some people. It was for me, just because I love Crate Dragons. But overall, couldn't be more happy with the way that they handled it and pulled it off in general. So, moving on. Lastly, to the final part of the episode, probably the one that everyone's talking about the most. We got the reveal that Boba Fett is actually alive and well in the Star Wars universe. Now, everyone knows that he was killed, um, or not killed, he was 
thought to be dead on Tatooine in the um, Sarlacc pit when he fell in in Return of the Jedi, but it appears that's not the case. Holt and I were even speculating about how he got out, and watching that scene, watching the scene of Mando fight the Krayt Dragon, I think made me realize that it wasn't as far of a stretch for Boba to survive that sure. than we'd probably thought before. Like, like Mando got escaped out of the Krayt Dragon by using that shocking, shocking sort of weapon that allowed him to disable the dragon for a moment. Who's to say Boba Fett didn't do the same exact thing or just shot a rocket straight into the Sarlacc pit's face and sure. had it <laughs> spit out. But um, So we have the reveal. We have Mando getting the armor from Cobb Vanth and everything's wrapping up. We see the twin sunset. I'm thinking that you know, we're about to see the credits pull up. I'm telling myself, I'm already, like, thinking the episode's over in my head. And in my head, I say, okay, incredible. Only thing that could have made it better is if we got final clarity about Boba. And then we see Boba. And I flipped my shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I I mean, first thing I noticed was the no eyebrows. But I was yeah. a little taken back by that. But whole, what, what, did, what did you think when we saw that? Yeah, he looked, uh, definitely looked a little war-torn. Uh, you know, I think there is, um, you could see a little scarring, I think, um, if I remember correctly, but yeah, he looked, he looked tired. Like he was, but like in a good way, like he's been through some shit. He's probably, you know, fought his way out of the Sarlacc pit, but yeah, seeing him finally and then realizing, okay, he survived it. He's part of this new chapter of star wars and we get to see it and oh it was it was a great great reveal um i i loved how they did it uh you don't get much but it's exactly what you needed you just being able to see that he is still alive and he's gonna be in the next episode or the next few episodes who knows um but i i love this scene and it got me so excited and I don't know. I think there's there's so many so many ideas that I had, or so many predictions, maybe if you will. Um, you know, is he gonna is he gonna be a supporting character to Mando, or is he gonna try to earn his armor back and really stop Mando in any way he can? Who knows? And that's the good thing about Star Wars. You you never know which way it's gonna go, and it's gonna be exciting either way. Yeah. Couldn't have said it any better myself. Um, it's funny. One before we saw Boba pop up, uh, still during the episode, a little prediction theory that came into my head. Once we saw Mando get the armor from Cobb Vamp, is I thought maybe we would see Mando down the line put on Boba's armor oh, yeah. and him kind of be the Boba Fett in this post Return of the Jedi world that. Even though he's not Boba Fett, he's kind of, he's helming the armor and he becomes known as that character in, in a new way, but um, obviously not, I don't think, anymore with Boba Fett actually showing up. And I'm glad that Boba Fett showed up. I think that it makes sense. I think that, um, yeah, it's definitely going to play a role sooner than later, I think. Um, that leads us into the final part of this episode. 
Um, talking about predictions for next week, I think that, and I, and I mentioned how this is my favorite episode, but I can realize why people might have a problem with it. So here's a problem I had, is we went from needing to find a Mandalorian to our end goal is get Baby Yoda to the Jedi. And he thinks if I find a Mandalorian, I can chart a path through the coverts. So, can't find a Mandalorian, finds a Mandalorian armor, and the whole episode becomes about finding Mandalorian armor and not an actual Mandalorian. So, I, it's hard to argue with the statement of, you know, I wouldn't say filler just because I hate that word, but just pure side mission. Yeah. And... I think that the way that you avoid that and stop that conversation is I think next Friday we see Boba Fett pop up immediately in season two or in episode two, AKA chapter 10. Um, I think having before, cause we didn't see, I don't think we saw the Mandalorian leave the planet yet. We literally the last shot was Boba Fett. I think we're going to see Boba Fett and Mando square off or meet each other before we see um, the end of chapter 10. I think that that's going to happen sooner than later. There's just a lot to happen this season. And if the only role I see Boba playing is like what you said, being a supporting character um, for him. So I, I don't, I don't know how you can at this point with the momentum you already have, mm -hmm. I don't see how you can push that off for three, four episodes. Um, just with the pacing, we're already, we got to get back on the, the regular mission. And so I think that's the fastest way to put us back is chapter 10, maybe before Mando can get off the planet, he gets back to Amy Sedaris and Boba Fett is there, you know, keeping her and baby Yoda hostage. I don't know what it is, but I think he's going to show up. So, uh, what are your thoughts? I think that's a good, I good point. Um, something that I've kind of been thinking of, uh, you know, when he finds Cobb Vanth real quick, he, he mentions that, you know, he needs to take the armor off. He's not a Mandalorian. It's, it's a real honor to him to have, you know, that on uh, that armor and kind of disrespect it in that kind of way. So I don't know. I kind of thought, is this going to be the case for, you know, when he meets Boba Fett? And Boba Fett, you know, demands that he gives his armor back. And is it like one of those like, wh why do you why why do you get this armor? You know, and I, I'm trying to think of how to better explain that, but just kind of thinking that you know, just seeing Boba Fett in regular non-armor like this, and having that kind of debate. Uh, well, I'm a Mandalorian. No, you're not. This kind of this and that. Um, I'm sure you have a better way of, you know, piggybacking off that and kind of explaining it better. But also um, to finish off what you said with, it makes more sense for him to, you know, right off the bat be in this next episode. And I think you're right. And I'm gonna have to agree with you on that. I think it's. I, I at first I had thought you know, we'll probably see him a little bit down the line because of how they ended the, you know, episode. It was kind of mysterious. And 
maybe they utilize him later. But I think you're right. I think he'll be right off the bat in episode two. Maybe not right away, but he'll be a part of episode two. And I'm excited to see if they get along or if they don't get along. And I do think you're right with maybe he's at the hangar and he's already kind of made his stance on that. And Mando's got to find a resolution or whether that's, you know, making a deal or, or stopping Boba Fett. But I don't think... I, I, what I hope doesn't happen is this is the end of Boba Fett. Like, Mando's the one that takes him out, which I don't think will happen, but there's a, something in the back of my mind that maybe that's a possibility. And I don't know. I think that would be dumb to bring him back and then get rid of him right away like that. So I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that idea? Um, yeah, I mean, I think you summed it up great. Uh, yeah, there might be some bad blood. You know, I'm sure Boba Fett's going to explain who he is and everything. But, yeah, maybe Mando has a problem with that. Maybe he knows who Boba Fett is, knows he's a clone, and doesn't think he's a true Mandalorian. There's all these things that go into play. Um, but, I mean, I'm assuming he doesn't know who uh, Boba Fett is the Mandalorian just because he would have recognized the armor probably mm-hmm. even though Boba Fett's they're both bounty hunters um, probably as big as Boba Fett was would have heard of him at some point but we'll see like I said hope we find out in chapter 10 which streams this Friday um, otherwise that's all that we have for you guys I'm going to give this a quick little rating you go ahead and do the same. I'm going to say this is a 9 out of 10 for me. Um, I said it was my favorite episode. I'm going to put... I think Chapter 8 of Season 1 was also a 9 out of 10 for me, and this was a 9 out of 10 as well for me. Um, Again, for all those reasons I mentioned, just the diehard aspect, great story. Yeah, it might have been side mission. We'll see come Friday, start of Chapter 10 how much of a side mission this really was but um, regardless couldn't be happier to be right back in the world of the Mandalorian this you know fringe side of Star Wars it's incredible to be back and um, so happy to be doing this every week from here on out so yeah what do you have to say Um, I think I'm gonna rate it as a eight a solid eight Um, and the only reason I'm gonna do that is simply not to go so far as the huge Star Wars fan aspect of it and just kind of have a kind of open mind and um, be able to see it through the eyes of a regular viewer. Um, Because there were a lot of Star Wars fan Easter eggs that maybe wouldn't make sense to, you know, other regular viewers. Um, But I think that's with any cinema you know cinema project and such and such but a good solid eight um but yeah i'm really excited to continue doing this as the weeks go by and the episodes come out and i love talking star wars with you and i love talking star wars to anybody who's you know willing to talk about it so this is a perfect uh win-win scenario i'd say for both of us yeah and like holt mentioned we want to have this conversation with anyone out there who's listening, who wants to listen, who wants to have these 
conversations with us. We're always down to talk Star Wars. And, you know, if you did listen all this way through, thank you so much. This is honestly one of the first times that we've had a conversation like this in front of a microphone and recorded it for the public to listen to. Um, So we really appreciate you being here for this and hope to see you next Friday um, for Chapter 10. I'm sure it'll be just as exciting. And um, like I said, my name is Matt Schmidt. Uh, We'll do a quick little plug for ourselves. Social media, if you do want to connect with us and um, keep the conversation going there. Uh, My Instagram handle, it's pretty much the only thing that I am active on. It is Matt underscore Schmidt one. Um, Holt? Yeah, I'm going to do Instagram as well. Uh, Minus Holt M. Walton, all one word. Um, Give us a follow. We'll follow you back. And if you want to talk to us, message us, and we'll keep the Star Wars dialogue going. Awesome. Otherwise, uh, we will see you guys Friday and hopefully for another great Chapter 10. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys.